Lampshade Media presents Existential Wet Dreams with Johnny Collins. Johnny Collins, welcome to Lampshade Media Presents Existential Wet Dreams. I'm loving it, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. Yes, I love it. I love it. June 9th, 2020, apparently. It's what you just told me, so I believe it. Yeah, I mean, that's when that's the date of recording. You're giving away the podcast magic, man. Everybody thinks that it's live, you know? <laughs> okay, yes. We'll cut that part out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, this this was recorded uh, in a uh, in a forty year old's basement on June 9th. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, man? No, I'm I'm good, man. Like, uh, it it could be worse, you know. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of shit going on right now, man. But I'm grateful to to be alive and to see all this uh, going on right now in Columbus. So I have no complaints. So you made it down to the protest, right? Yes. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, I I I went there a few times, and uh, every time I went there, it was uh, just more and more colorful. Every time, I mean, uh, the first time I went, it was when you say colorful, you mean like diverse or like no, no, no. Okay, so uh, all the businesses in the short north and downtown, they they pretty much plywood the the windows and doors they're all closed yeah um but so many of the businesses in short north have painted murals on the plywood right right and uh the the first time i went there was no murals it was just plywood everywhere and then the the last time i went uh i mean it was just murals of george floyd and and black lives matter and it was beautiful the way the city has come together uh for one cause it was it was you know, once in a lifetime opportunity, and I'm I'm glad I was a part of it. Yeah, you know, I was I was thinking about you in in regards to this because like we're two white dudes, and, <laughs> and this is a, this, you know this is about black people. But you, yeah. in your case, you have you you know you have like a, a black son, true, or two two black kids. I right? have three three black kids, technically. Yes. Damn. Okay. I did, I I was totally off on my numbers there. That's all good. But yeah, so you 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 are incredibly invested in this then. I mean, that's the entire reason. I mean, okay, so I I went with my black friends every time. You know, I never went alone. That might be you know, make me a coward or whatever. But I was like, nah, this is. Let me let me come with someone. Uh, but uh, uh, my my friend was telling me about all the hard times he had when he was pulled over and arrested, all that stuff, whatever. And uh, I told him. Every time that I've ever interacted with the police, it's been very pleasant. It's been so pleasant. It's like even when I've had warrants out for my arrests, the cops are making jokes with me. They're like, you know, they're like, I'm in the backseat. They're like, hey, you like this radio station? They basically lay out the red carpet for me into prison. And, <laughs> and, and that's happened every single time I've been in trouble with the police. And I know that, and I know that that's not the same for my friends of a different color. It is a completely different experience. Yeah. And that's why I'm out there because, 
you know, I, I know for a fact I have white privilege. I know that it exists. I, I'm aware of it. So the fact that I'm aware of it means that I know that some people are getting treated differently and I have to stand with them. And I have so many friends that are brown and not white that that is just it's hard for me to just sit back and, you know, not, you know, raise my fist a little bit, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I am like pretty fucking uh, basic. Like I grew up in the country a little bit and then I was suburbs and like typical white guy. But I know that in black families, like there's a talk about how to deal with the police. And so I was kind of curious, like as a white father of, of, you know, black children, is that so, did you did you do that? Is that a part of the is that a part of the deal? I mean, I, I've I've tried <laughs> I've tried to introduce my kids to the police, like when I see them out and I'm out with my kids and the police are very, you know, reluctant to do that. And uh, so most of the interactions my kids have already had with the police and they're like the oldest is eight years old. I have already been negative. And like I'm doing my best to let them know like some police are good, but like they're the ones making it hard for me to do that. Well, I mean, like like the things that I've heard is, uh, from different uh, black families is like it's more like you have to, you know, avoid any confrontation and you have to do this and that to avoid right. dying by the hands of the police. I agree. And, right? No, no. And, and I, and I let them know, and I've sent them videos of me at the protest and I don't post them, but I sent my kids videos because I want them to know that there is a difference and it's not fair. And it's not that they've done anything wrong. It's just that some people don't know that so, you know, they, they will go through hard times in life. And, and honestly, you know, as they're growing up, I've tried to, like, introduce them to, like, you know, black leaders, you know, you know, people who are not white, who are important. And I've, I've been trying to do that because no matter what, I'm a white guy. I, I'm not black. I've never been black. I never know what it's like to be black. And I will never know what it's like to be like my kids like my own flesh and blood. I, I have no idea what it's like to be my own flesh and blood. That's wow. a crazy thought. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, that really is. That's but, but it's true. And so they're going to go through life completely different than I will. And I'll be able to teach them about girls and, you know, like math tests. But I will <laughs> never be able to teach them what it's like to drive down, you know, in Hilliard and, and be stopped for no reason. Yeah. I'll never be able to teach them what it's like to do that. Um, and that is something that plagues me every day. That's why when I went out to the protest, I threw my fist up because I was like, I, I have no idea what to do. But I know there's something that has to be done. And, and, and my kids need that. Right. You know, three black boys. Like, what, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? I'm a white dude. You know what I mean? I'm doing my best. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know, for the love of God, let's get this shit together. <laughs> yeah, know? man. It, and, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how, you know, how powerful these protests have been because they're actually, they actually are affecting change, finally. Really? I mean, it's, it, I mean there's been a, a shit ton of protests on the same fucking issue. Hell yeah. But this one, for whatever reason, people seem to be listening. You know, we got, we got all four of the cops that were involved in killing George Floyd now are charged. 
Right. And the, the main one with second degree. Second degree murder. Yeah, yep. which is, I, I, I think that's that's at least fair because first degree is premeditated. Which right, I, right, right. That's which not, it wasn't. Right. right. So. Well, but, well, well. And even to that, like if we draw it back, like if you're a racist person, is it premeditated if you kill a black person? I mean, it would have to be like, like he literally said, I'm about to kill George this Floyd in this specific per- way. Yeah, I got yeah. you. I got you. Yeah. But, um. But yeah, and then Minneapolis is now uh, closing down their police department, which is crazy. And defunding the police is becoming a, an actual topic of conversation in politics. Right. right. And people are now beginning to uh, to you know, there's there's a lot more information, and, and this information has always been out there. But like people are beginning to realize that the police have their the very roots of the police are are based in in slavery. Right. You know, and, and right. a lot of people didn't realize that, that, that it was like literally like these were the, you know, we, we, we paid them to like hunt down you know, slaves that taught. ran away. That's not taught. Oh, of course not. Yeah. At all. And my kids will never be taught that. And that's crazy because now I have, I have this They may be. They're young, right? I mean, yeah, they're young, but uh, in, in the next three years, they're going to change the entire curriculum. No, like I'm yeah. going to have to, as a white dude, tell them like, hey, you know, white people sucked for a long time yeah and like we treated you guys bad and like daddy is one of them yeah i'm a white guy i don't have any black in me at all right and and like but you know people that look like daddy are gonna treat you different but just know that you're 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 worth it right wow you know what i mean that's crazy it's like i i almost feel like i'm i'm putting them as a disadvantage being my being their dad which is a crazy thought because, like, you know, like, it's not my fault that I had sex with this beautiful black woman and had this child. You know what I mean? Right. Like, but now I have to deal with the, you know, or now they have to deal with the consequences. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's crazy to think about that, that because, like, you know, a father is a person that you idolize, that you, exactly. you know, that is your exactly. And, and yeah. are your kids all boys? Yes. Okay, so then, you know, the father is the guy you look to for an example of masculinity, right? Right. This right. is your your uh, you know, this is what man is. Right. And 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 even though like they'll have a completely different time in life than their dad because none of my kids look like me. They're all brown. Yeah. And and that's not their fault. They they were just born that way. <laughs> <laughs> Is it is it fucked up that I'm thinking of me myself and Irene right now? <laughs> for, for Christ's sakes, your kids' dicks are bigger than the sausages. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Yes, I've been in that. No, no, no. the The funniest thing is when like I would show like when my firstborn is is my is my son, and he's technically biologically not mine, um, but I was with. Her, his mom since she was pregnant with him and i was there since she was born took care of him all that bullshit not bullshit but anyway anyway um what's funny is i would show the you know everybody when they find out you have a kid they want to see the pictures of your kid and i would show this picture of this little black baby and <laughs> and i would have to watch my co-workers as they were like does he know this baby is black like as if i as if I didn't notice the like curly <laughs> hair and already bigger than mine penis, 
And uh, like I noticed it, and they were like, "Does he know?" Like, "Oh, the baby's cute." Now I have to be like, you know, all his mom is 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 brown, so that's why he looks. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, that makes sense. That makes sense now. We get it. I'm like, okay, well, whatever. You know, it's like that seems like so outdated, actually. It does, but it happened. I know. I I believe. Yeah, I totally believe it. Like it just seems like that's a thing. Like. I don't know, like, at some point, you just, like, I kind of, like, realized, like, yeah, there's all kinds of people fucking, you know, and, and yeah, like, don't make it weird. No. Jesus Christ. Like, it's, it's not weird. It, you know what I mean, though? Uh, but like, personally, personally, I made it weird. That's the problem. Is this my <laughs> fault? I will give them that. Why, why is that? Okay, so I've always been into black and brown women. I, I've always been into them. I, I, I didn't know that. But my mom told me that she was like, even when you were in preschool, I was like, where's the pretty black girl? That's my son's crush right there. And I, I remember like the first time I came to terms with it. <laughs> I came, uh, I talked to my dad and my brother like I was coming out of the closet. Like I was telling them that I was gay. Like I really? was like, dad. Was it that scary? It, it, for me, it was because I, I, was, I wasn't raised. All, all, my family's all white. There's sure. nobody mixing anything. So I, I told my dad, I was like, hey, guys, um, I, I think I'm into black women more than I'm into white women. And, and my dad, as if I was gay, was like, we, we already knew, son. We already knew. Like, thank you for being honest with us. We already knew. And like, so, so the part that's my fault is this. As a young white boy growing up, I black women didn't look at me because they didn't think that I was into black women. So I had to go to extreme measures to, to attract black women. So when I was a freshman in high school, I, uh, I got cornrows. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that picture. Yeah. 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 Cause, cause here's that the indeed thing is an extreme measure. When you, when you have a bowl cut, Black women are not looking for bowl cuts. I mean, you can quote me on that. Like, I don't, if that sounds prejudiced at all, name me one black woman who's with a dude with a bowl cut. I will rescind my statement. I swear to God. <laughs> I, 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 I braided my hair, uh, and sometimes it would take upwards of four hours. And I, I just, damn. yes, I just want a black woman to, to notice me. And then I finally got one. <laughs> I married one, and when I <laughs> married her at the wedding, I had cornrows in my hair. <laughs> and wow, she didn't tell me till years later that she was very upset about that. Wait, like she didn't know you had cornrows? Like she would you I, sneak to the fucking barber shop? Uh, she knew I wore cornrows, but she was like, she thought like around her family I would be respectable. <laughs> <laughs> But I was like, no, I think I had beads in my hair, too. Like, fuck it. Like, why not? Let's go all out. Oh, damn. I look like Monica from Friends when they went on that Hawaii trip. <laughs> what? That's Jesus a deep cut Christ. for anybody. That is a very... I, you know what's funny is, like, I laughed just because of the reference. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and I, I, I have no fucking idea what Friends episode you're talking about. Some people will know. Some people will know. Yeah, and for those people, they're, like, still laughing. They're loving it. They're loving it. That's the content you're looking for in the lampshade media. Yeah. Where'd you Where'd you grow up? Were you like in the country or the city? Uh, no, I grew up uh, uh, on basically it was on Ohio State campus, 
Uh, I, I was raised by my grandma and she bought the house before it was Ohio State campus, but Ohio State got so big it kind of engulfed it. So it was like nice. Okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, I grew up there and I was uh, my, my family was all from Kentucky. My grandma was uh, uh, 38 before she saw her first black person. No shit. Ever. Wow. 38. Um, it w it was rough because she raised me. It's weird that she would actually like she just like what saw a person in the distance and said, "I'm 38 <laughs> years old. I see a black person. I'm gonna write this down." She knew that. <laughs> she had, she had seen it in the history books. She knew that she existed. knew that black people existed. She knew they existed, but she had never seen She's one. Like, in I've the... been to a museum, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> she had seen the hollers of Kentucky. Anyway, uh, no, no. Uh, so when when I was being raised in her house by her because my parents didn't take care of me uh i had all black friends and uh it was rough because she wasn't racist but she was also from kentucky and hadn't seen a person of color since she was until she was 38 so like when you say she wasn't racist this is your grandma we're talking about yeah my grandma when you from kentucky has never seen a black person until she was 38 when you say she wasn't racist are you like say it i mean come on <laughs> okay all right well okay i mean seriously okay she didn't treat I mean, she's any your grandma so you like oh but she has a good heart and like i don't you know i will i will okay I, a good point you see what i'm saying what, what i will say is this she didn't treat any of my black friends different than she treated my white friends but she would refer to my black friends as my colored friends Okay. And and that my was like some grandma was some, a different time kind of bullshit. Right, right, right. And yeah, and my and my yeah. and and my, my black friends were around it and they would hear my grandma refer to them as colored and I would say, Grandma, you can't say that. Right. They're not colored is a bad word. My my black friends were so fucking cool about it. They were like, We get it, dude. Like yeah. we know your grandma's not racist. We spend the night at her house all right. the time. Like she feeds us. Like it's not a racist thing, but we know that she just is ignorant. Yeah, I mean, because racism is just this insidious fucking thing where you can be this loving person that can look at a black child and you know take care of that person and treat them with respect, but it's it's not as if you don't have an instinct, right? That's built from being around a culture of anti-black, right? Right, right. And 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 you know, I I it's like I can't even tell if my grandma had ever been anti-black or just that uh she had no idea what black was. Yeah. You, well, I mean, even if she's not like yeah, she doesn't have to be anti like here's the thing. My my buddy uh, shout out to Ramin. My buddy Ra, like I love this dude so much. He's like one of the most uh He's got one of the biggest fucking hearts ever, person of color, and he will he will talk to white people about his racism. And and I and I know for a fact that he does it. And I he I, I know for a, I I don't know for a fact. I feel very strongly that he does it to make them more comfortable with their own racism. Because right. I feel like I definitely like have like inherited some shitty fucking ideas that I need to, you know, get out of my head. You know right. what I mean? But I mean, also as a person that deals with depression and a lot of like, you know, things like that, I also know that every idea that pops into my fucking noggin is not a good idea. Right. You know? And and, I, and when I'm on stage, I I even say when I when I tell jokes about my life cuz my life is very, you know, weird and dark, but 
I say like, you know, growing up, I never knew all the prejudices that I had inherent in me. Right. And right. It, and it that's takes a, it that takes, takes maturity. Exactly. It takes a person of color who's who's patient enough mm-hmm. to, to tell you and show you these things. Yeah. You know what I mean? I my my ex wife, who is a, a brown woman, she's beautiful, beautiful brown woman. She taught me about white privilege. And I had no idea. I, I, I didn't have. You were stere- like, what? Yeah, I didn't have the stereotypical white experience where it's like I grew up in the suburbs and my parents were together. No, I was like in the hood. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't the, the, the stereotypical white experience, but I still had white privilege. Yeah. And 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 I, I say this in my set. I say trying to tell a white guy about white privilege is like trying to tell a fish it's wet. Like, <laughs> dude, that's it, it's like it's God like damn. the fish is like I've always been this. I could not possibly notice this yeah. at all, and I was like, that's exactly what it was like to teach me about white privilege. It's like, hey, you've you've always been wet. Yeah, and I was like, what are you talking about? I've I'm not wet. I'm just me. Like, no, dude, you're in the water. Right. And and that's wow. what it was like. That's a dude. That's a fucking like stellar analogy, to be honest. I mean that that's exactly what it was like. <laughs> I got second place in a comedy competition with that joke. That's a joke. That was a joke. That's a yeah. It's a that, great that, analogy. Dude. I mean, dude, every you don't joke use that I joke say, anymore. No, every joke I say on stage is true. That's the thing. Like a lot of people have joke jokes, and I'm I'm all on board for it. I love a fucking funny joke joke. But when I go on stage, if I'm not telling the truth. I'm not going on stage. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Period, dude. Where do you Where do you get that from? I mean, like, what's the, What's the influence for that? Like, what What is that? It, it, it's like, it's like you know the uh, the um, what's that game in Price is Right with the planko where it rolls down and down and down and down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know that sure. game. That That's exactly what it's like for my psyche. It's like my my thoughts go down and down and down and down. And if I don't construct them into this comedy form, then they stay, they just stay within me and they rot away. And it's like, I, I, I used to do music. I used to be a youth pastor. I used to do all these things where I orated, you know, these Jesus things. Christ. Yes. You're just like throwing wood on the fucking podcast yes, player right I now. I know, like, let's throw <laughs> Kendall. But, but the thing is, like, comedy was is the only thing that I'm like, because if I don't laugh at these things, like I don't get past these things. And I want people to understand that. It's like I talk about my dad being a drug addict. It's not because I'm like, oh, I want you to feel sorry for me that my No, everybody has a drug addict in their family. Yeah. Like, let's all just relate and be like, yeah, that shit is kind of weird. Like, you know what I mean? I think okay, like I'm 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 like a little bit nervous even to like express what I'm thinking right now. Because I kind of grew up in this, um, I mean, my family is white trash for sure. Like, I mean, they're both like both sides are white trash. I had I had Kentucky and I had like outside of Toledo in the in the sticks kind of deal, but we didn't acknowledge addicts. Like, almost everybody in my family is a fucking alcoholic. Right. But we didn't like talk about that shit. You know what I mean? Like nobody like addressed that. And if it was like I I didn't like have family mm-hmm. that was nece- like anything but alcoholism was beyond the pale, you know? Right. I mean, we never talked about I mean, even in my family, we never talked about the gay cousin. 
we never talked about you know what i mean the 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 one cousin that dressed up as a as a woman on the weekends dude we never talked about any of that and that's why the shit you know just kept going and going and going without anybody saying anything about it dude my my dad literally no joke told me that if he ever found out i was gay he would murder me Jesus and then, Christ. and then kill himself so that what? My, so that he said my, that yes so that my gayness killed two people <laughs> for being gay bro that's horrifying yeah that is that hor- is that is incredibly depressing it, jesus it, christ it is but and, and i'm not gay but at the same time like out of spite i've always kind of wanted to suck a dick just just <laughs> just out of like like dad you were never there for me guess what this yeah, dick wow. is for you dad like i just wanted like just like out of like hatred, pure hatred, have a dick in my mouth. Jesus like not, a, there's no pleasure. I wouldn't enjoy sucking a dick, but at the same time, I would enjoy the hatred that my dad would have in hell as he looked up at me, sucking this guy's cock. Jesus Christ, that's wild, man. Yeah, I don't know why I re- revealed all that. That's all good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we 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 already was drinking whiskey before we started. Uh, that might whiskey. have something to do with God it. God damn it! All right, here we go. So, I mean. What I mean, Jesus Christ, that is, yeah, that's yeah. that's a deal. Like, what yeah. I mean, what was your what was your relationship with your father like growing up? I mean, okay, so uh, my mom and dad were together until I was eight, and then my mom left uh, California, and then I was with my dad till I was nine, and then he fell apart. Then I was raised by my grandma from nine to eighteen. And then my mom came back a few years and she, you know, has really made up for it. Good for her. And, uh, you know, uh, my, my dad was, was more so just like this person that came in and out whenever he needed a place to sleep pretty much. So he'd pop in because he needed, uh, a place to live or whatever. And then a couch to crash on. And then he'd dip. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I remember like, my my whole family was used to it with my dad. Apparently, my dad had been this way for a while. I didn't know. Um, one time, my dad came in and and he was uh, you know pretty fucked up. And I called my aunt, and she was like, "Yeah, what the fuck, dude? Why'd you wake me up at six in the morning? Just let your dad sleep." I was like, "All right, well, that was the beginning point of my comedy when I was like, I realized like this shit is just normal, like." like everybody goes through a version of that person that's just the fuck up you know what i mean like everybody has that person in their family that's just the fuck up and like you get so much comedy out of that you you build yourself from that you you like become stronger and and you you build the ability to be able to you know uh get past these things with with humor and and yeah I don't know. You know, I got uh I got a tattoo uh a few years back and it's my only tattoo and it's huge and it was incredibly painful and I remember talking to my artist about it and he was talking about like when he gets tattooed he he can't stop laughing. <laughs> like and and apparently that's a thing. Really? And it and it reminds me of like I remember like when I was a kid I remember falling off of a fence I was trying to jump this fence or whatever and I caught my foot on it 
and just fell flat on my back in a in a dramatic like slapstick way and it took the wind out of me but i also knew that it was hilarious <laughs> like that it was ridiculous and i was i was definitely in pain but i couldn't stop laughing and it, i don't know like i know it's like fucking uh uh pretty uh ridic- like it's 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 everybody's always like oh yeah all come out all comics are are depressed right <laughs> i mean a but lot i'm gonna of go are. i'm gonna go ahead and like see if this is a thing is this like a like you don't want to cry about it so you laugh about it or like you cry and you laugh or like well okay so everybody no matter what no matter who you are and and every walk of life no matter what privilege or 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 you know setback everybody has that person or people in their family that are just weird and fuck ups or different and sometimes you're the fuck up. Sometimes you're the weird one. <laughs> yeah. Some, sometimes I find you're myself not, there. Right. Exactly. But sometimes you're not. Sometimes you see the weird one. No matter what, everybody in every walk of life can relate to that. And the comedians are the people that can take those life experiences and create comedy from them. You know, but there's also those people who are going to business who are like, oh, my dad never cared about me. So I'm going to prove him wrong and be great in business. Everybody has their <laughs> walks of life, but the comedians are the ones that take those hard parts that everybody goes through and makes you feel okay for going through them. Right. Because we're all the same. We're all the same. Yeah. It's like, oh, you thought you were like weird because you had a crackhead in your family? We're in Ohio. Everybody has a crackhead yeah, in their family. L- right. Everybody does. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know that I that I had a crackhead in my family, but here's the thing: is like my family wouldn't ever they would hide that, right, right. <laughs> so like right. they're they're very well maybe like three or four, and nobody would talk about it. <laughs> but my, that's a Milliman thing. I mean, but my family hid it too. The only reason I found it out was because I started doing drugs, and I was like, oh, that's what Aunt, you know, was doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. This entire time, should I so. bleep out? Is that your actual crackhead aunt? She will never listen to this. <laughs> I'm definitely going to bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, when I, when I was coming up, like, my dad fucking dipped when I was a teenager. Well, actually, like, I think it was, like, more like 11 or 12. And I thought that I that he had some sort of like key or some sort of thing that I needed. Right. So I had this idea and it, and I'm not fucking kidding you. This lasted until I would say my late twenties. I'm 38 now. I'm about to be 39. And, and it, and it wasn't until my early thirties that I fucking got over my daddy issues. It's, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say, well, I mean, my embarrassed, early, bro. My, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Well, my early 30s, I got over a lot of shit. I changed everything in my early 30s. That's when I moved away from religion and fucking uh, changed almost every belief I have. Oh, my goodness. And I'm still working on that. But I thought my dad had a thing that I needed, and I was fucking desperate for that, you know? And I was, like, hunting him down, hunting him down. And then at some point, like through years and years and years of me, like trying, trying so hard to get his attention, I became a fucking grown ass man and looked at my life and was like, oh shit, 
I'm already a better man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dude, you have was no like, oh, I, shit. L- listen, the fact that I'm still alive right now and, like, you know, I'm not, like, my kids can talk to me every day. Like, I have to remind myself every day that, like, you know, I'm not my dad. And and I agree with you. The part that you're looking for is the part that you're like, this is my dad. He has, like, I have to be like him some way. Right. Like, that the, there's some sort of, like, like, give and take. Like, my dad is giving me something that I have to be. Yeah. And I look for that in my dad, too. And unfortunately, my dad didn't give me any, like, you know, like, he was smooth. Like, he was a good-looking guy. Of course. But, like, terrible in every other way. Yeah. So it's like he didn't give me much but to be good-looking. Yeah, my dad know? also gave me good looks. But, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. We're <laughs> two good-looking guys. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that. My mom and my dad look exactly alike, too, so it's weird. So, like, I came out, like, there's no denying it, but yeah. there is also but- kind of denying it. They were from Kentucky, you said, or uh, my grandma was. Yeah. Okay, so that I was just curious about. I'm the, like one generation. How removed. close did they look like? <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of incest jokes, Mel. Okay, listen, man. All right, listen. You, I, you can take the Kentucky and out of Kentucky, but <laughs> they're they're still gonna fuck their cousin. All right, this happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> Real talk, my my first kiss was my cousin. Oh, yeah. That's how Kentucky I am. Yeah, I mean, how young were you? I was twelve. Okay. I mean, you're you're like I feel like you're still in the like that awkward age of like exploration at that point. And she was my second cousin too. Twice removed. Yeah, second cousin is like you know you can get married to your second cousin. That's nearly legal. That's pretty much legal. Yeah, that's nearly legal. That's pretty much like normal like i don't have to be weird <laughs> about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i i just so like my my grandmother um just passed um maybe God damn it, a dude. month ago yikes during the pandemic and all that shit you know and uh we couldn't go to the funeral because of covid you know and because of the pandemic and everything, it was like literally only like the kids only. And she had six kids. I have like six aunts and actually seven with a with an adopted aunt. Um, but in any case, I, I couldn't go to the funeral. And the weird thing about this is, is I have been thinking about the fact that she's not been healthy for a while. And I've been kind of dreading the fact that I would be having to attend her funeral and be around my father because. I've gotten over the need for that masculine influence that I thought I needed. I've gotten over that, but I'm still angry. You know what I mean? I still have a a bitterness towards him and I'm kind of like, fuck you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I get it, but and I, I didn't have to go. So I was like, Whew. and then I was like, Oh wow, that's super shitty. Like it's about my grandma. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Is that I? Uh, yeah, I'm be, I know that. No, no, dude, it's weird, no, right? No, 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 no. You're right, but at the same time, man, like, you, your dad is alive, right? Mm-hmm. Your dad is alive. Yeah. Yeah, my dad is not that. He is not so much alive as much as he is dead, and uh, and and I would never be able to say anything else to my dad ever. 
So mm. it's like, you know, like you're an adult now. If you were to I have think. kids right now, yeah, how, how well do you think you would do with raising kids? Yeah. Well, I don't know. That's one of those things where like most men think they're they fantasize about being able to handle themselves in a fight. Right. I think they also like fantasize a bit about being able to raise children. Right. So I'd like to think I could I could do a good job. I'd like to think that I could like give them uh good advice and be there for them and love them in the way that uh, they need to be loved and go to their fucking ball games and their rehearsals or their you know whatever the fuck they're into like you know and encourage them and like when they're interested in shit i would you know want to like encourage that and if they're interested in something else then encourage them in that you know i, I feel like i could do that shit and i feel like you know i wasn't given that so like but then again like i think <laughs> Like, my dad, like, didn't beat me, and I think that was his big contribution to my, you know, growing <laughs> That was up. the one step above. Yeah, he, he bought me a lot of shit when I was young, you know, he spoiled me because, like, he wanted to, like, that was, like, you know, I love you, you know. Right, because, I mean, my, my, I mean. We my, all try to outdo our parents, I guess. I mean, that's, my, my friend Chris uh, once told me, like, your job as a father is to be better than your father. Yeah. That's yeah. what your job as a father was. But my dad set the bar so low that like you, you barely have like, to try. Literally huh? like <laughs> I've been coasting. Yeah. Like my like my dad set the bar so no, but like my, my dad is he he was he was a good guy, but he was troubled. And so am I. So what I try to do with my kids is make them realize is that you know, you're your own person. You can, you know, build the relationships you need. And and I'm really high right now, so I don't know if I'm making any sense. You Actually, no, you're making a lot of sense. All right, sweet. You're fine, man. <laughs> All right, sweet. I keep looking at this dick. This dick is just right here. He's not talking about my dick, just so the viewer or the well, listeners know. Well, I'm not not talking about. Well, I guess dick technically, well. I I guess technically, I do own that dick. Yes, um, the dick is possession. Yours. Possession is nine tenths of the law. And when I get into a deep thought, I keep looking at these balls, who, which are like unnaturally placed. Yeah, they're a little, uh, a little too. So okay, um, we don't have a camera here, and everybody is probably wondering what the fuck we're talking. It's a it's a straw. Yeah, it's like a like a bachelor party, or I mean a bachelorette party uh, straw. <laughs> uh, typically, it would be a bachelorette party straw. <laughs> if you listen to the live episode, uh, we were definitely talking about these dick straws. And the funny thing is that the live episode was in February. And it is now June, and the dick straw is still sitting on my table in the basement. Listen, I, I've been I've been thinking about that too. I've been thinking about renaming this podcast. I I think that Wait, you don't like existential dreams. I, I well no well I'm thinking because there's so many dick straws around you know this this place. <laughs> <laughs> hey i'll have you know there are a few vagina straws still left somewhere like i think they're floating around upstairs listen the the vagina straws only like dispense liquid like 20 percent of the time okay so like it's not <laughs> it's not like we gotta <laughs> dicks always squirt up dicks always <laughs> give you what you want like get you the liquid right away so my my if I were to rename this podcast, I would say it's the Quick Dick Liquid Podcast. <laughs> okay. Quick Dick Liquid Podcast. 
where you get that dick liquid pretty quick. This is so we're talking Lampshade Media presents the Quick Dick Liquid podcast. <laughs> the Quick Dick Liquid podcast. Okay. And, and you think that's better than existential wet dreams? I mean, they're both uh, kind of sexual. I mean, they are, but I think that I make it a little more specific. Yeah, Luke's not, not quite as on the nose as you. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, yeah, but I mean, I, I have not been able to think any of anything else but this dick straw that's in front of my face right now. Yeah, and those balls are very weird on that They thing. are very weird. They're very lumpy. Yeah. I'm a little worried. Yeah, I do appreciate the realism in the straw, though. Yes. That, that is the veiniest and the most realistic head on a on a straw. Right. Yeah, it's a very... That's a prominent dickhead. It's an incredibly vulgar straw. Yeah, that is very... That is very... Like, somebody, like, actually put some time and effort into that. <laughs> My grandma always used to say, somebody stayed up all night thinking of that. <laughs> it's incredibly uncomfortable now that I think of it. Like, in hindsight, that I brought up my grandma's <laughs> saying after talking about a dick straw. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, everybody's grandma has had a dick straw at some point. Everybody knows. This. I don't believe that about my grandma. No, dude. Everybody's teacher and, like, pastor has had a dick in their mouth at some point. I okay okay I'll I'll just I guess I'll have to take your word for it. I mean a lot of pastors for sure pastors are all you don't think up. your grandma's had a dick in her mouth oh no point? my grandma probably has yeah I mean, for sure you have to yeah. I don't know though like my family was so religious like I you know they were oh yeah like so like a lot of because my family uh, I have a kind of a Nazarene are you familiar with the Nazarenes I'm I'm yes <laughs> so I was I was kind of raised Nazarene but I was mostly like. Uh, non-denominational kind of radical fundamentalist but um the nazarenes are are pretty fucking uh strict about shit so i yes. could imagine them like thinking uh given head was 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 satanic or some shit right i mean there's i mean there's a stigma to it but at the same time like i don't care how conservative you are yeah you've had a dick in your mouth i mean I, so, like, when I was uh, getting uh, married at the age of 23, because... Uh, of religion. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, when you're Christian, you can't fuck until you're married, and <laughs> that's pretty much the only thing any 23-year-old wants to do. So I fucking got married. Anyway, I was, like, going through the marriage counseling with my pastor and my pastor's wife and my now ex-wife. And... Uh, something that I felt important enough to address with my pastor and his wife and my now ex-wife to her fucking horror was, is it okay to, you know, oral sex? Is that all right? (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, I I don't know. I'm like kind of an open book. So I'm like, if I'm thinking it, I'm just like going to talk about it. And I trusted my pastor, you know, he was like, you know, when you're in that, when you're in that kind of like religion in that church and that kind of shit, you know, your pastor's like your counselor. You know, so I was like, this is the only one I trust to ask this to, you know, but like, yeah, Shelby was not, he was not Shelby's pastor. (laughs) So, so she looked at me like with fucking like, what the fuck? So she wouldn't blow you? Well, you know, yeah, yeah, we, we had oral sex and I don't want to talk too much about uh, the ways I I fucked my ex-wife and that's, that's kind of like personal with, for her. I would absolutely be open with you about all of the sexual yeah, experiences, yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know, but there's other people involved. I mean, listen, but, there's um, no relationship that does not have oral sex. If you're in a real relationship, 
No, there's dude. oral sex. No, man. I don't. I don't. I don't think that's true. Some really? people. Some people. No. The, the the fact of the matter is, if you're in a real relationship, no relationship is ever sealed. I mean, people think marriage seals a relationship, or a baby does. No. When you oral your partner, that is sealing the relationship. <laughs> Because you That's know, what makes it real. Huh? If a guy goes down <laughs> on a girl, he knows like she's not getting come in by any other guy. And like when a girl goes down on the guy, she knows like he's not like putting his penis in the butt of any other, no another female. So I, it's like when you go down <laughs> on somebody, you're trusting that person to be like, I trust you with my mouth. You're not going to like put anything in my mouth that would hurt me. So bring that dick. And I bring it. And I bring the dick and I put it in her mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> I moved the straw. Yeah, you flung that dick straw at me as you said. I did. That. I'm it was sorry. Awesome. I it's been a while for me, Mel. Okay, so I'm, <laughs> I'm getting yeah. a little Monica. Yeah, you got a little dry spell? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> A little bit. Well, yeah. That. <laughs> um, you know, am I the only one? <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, like this is this is like something that I find like actually kind of funny is that pushing these kind of like uh, these kind of boundaries with people is incredibly entertaining for me. Of course, like other people don't always enjoy it as much like if you want to like fucking like try to play the uh who will stop first game with me in public around other people like i will absolutely go there that's the dick game from high school where it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you know you're like you're scared or whatever say yeah. dick the loudest without getting in trouble like wins and you're just in <laughs> chemistry class like dick yeah, at some point there's a detention, but regardless, man, like I mean, I I have no boundaries. Like I have no pride either. When you have three kids, you you have zero pride and you just accept it and you just like, you know what? It is what it is. I'm the person I am and uh you know what? <laughs> Fuck it. So so there was like okay, so I was like editing the the live episode, and there was like a couple of there was a couple of jokes, and I know that there are rooms that these jokes kill in, and that's why they're in your set, You're right? But there was a couple of jokes, and they were like uh, you know specifically uh, jokes that were uh, either about race or about of a sexual right. nature, right, right, right. That like did not land with our audience, and you were like, right. "Yeah, well, you're all white, so you're not going to get these jokes." Right, right, and, right. And this, it, but like that was like this kind of like you were like on this like real boundary, you know? And right, is that <laughs> do you find yourself uh, like pushing that kind of envelope often? I mean, honestly. The, the the life that I've lived, you know, is not, you know, normal. So it's like the, the shit that I'm used to is not the shit that everybody's used to. Um, the first time I realized that black people were cool as fuck, um, as far as comedy goes, is the fact that, like, um, in, when I was in Cleveland, when I started comedy, the, I was at this mic that nobody came to, so we went to this other mic. I was on the east side of Cleveland, uh, like a hundred black people, maybe one or two white people in the entire audience. And like we went there and it was, uh, uh, you know, a, a stand up show. And I wasn't on the bill at all, but I, I talked to the host and I was like, 
bro, listen, I will give you $20 right now if you let me go on and do five minutes. Like, I promise oh, wow. you right now. And and the the guy who was actually hosting got like $20 altogether for hosting the night. So he was like, yeah, of course. You want to do five minutes? We'll do it. And I did all those same jokes I did in front of your audience with the white people. And I did all those jokes. And, and, and black people have this great sense of humor. And it's like they, they understood it. But white people, sometimes they get scared to laugh. They don't know if it's okay to laugh at a prejudice. You know what I mean? But yeah. But we, but we have to realize we all have these prejudices. So it's okay to laugh at them. Black people understand that sometimes white people are racist. Like, it's okay. Like, everybody understands yeah. that people have prejudices. It's like when we try to hide them, that's the issue. It kind of makes me think, and... and I mean, I mean, obviously, Bill Burr is like a like a huge like fucking uh, right genius, and it kind of makes me think of like like with 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 Bill Burr uh, talking about race and him pushing boundaries. I mean, I mean, obviously, he's like ahead of you as far as like his like career and shit. Right, like, of right. Course, like 100%. he's like you know doing doing all this crazy shit, but like he does he does a lot of that too, and he also plays. Uh, you know, to black audiences, and and I feel like they're receptive because they understand that he's speaking with, uh, without ignorance. Yeah, he he's a, not ignorant. Well, he had the joke about when you know the n word is coming when you're talking to a white dude. Like he had that whole joke. He he did it on the, <laughs> the it was a Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal did a comedy special and Bill Burr was on it, and he had this whole joke about how you know the n word is coming when a white dude was like, you know what? You know what I mean? He had this whole thing. And that's just kind of how I am. It's just like, we all know this shit exists. Like, like I don't want to, like, step around it. Right. Like, let's just joke about it, you know? Right. I, I feel like maybe if there was a, and, and, you know, I do, like, I do occasionally, like, have several black people in my in my living room for these shows. But I'm not going to lie. It's, there's a lot more white people right, out there right, coming right. to my living room. As much as as much as I try to have as diverse a uh, a lineup as possible, I you know, it I don't know why that 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 night you know is I I I don't know if there yeah there there might have been every single person was white as far as I know like I don't know I don't know there there was a cut there was a couple I mean, people of color there dude even but, when you um, had me on it was me I'm a I'm a cis white male okay yeah yeah but well you were you, my one you were my token sister right exactly because the the person after me was a a a woman who was into women yeah and then after that you had a man that was into men. You're right, right, right. And we all may have been pale skinned, but we all came from different, you know what I mean, backgrounds. Right, right. So I mean, it's still diverse. Every show that I've put on, I've I've never had a hundred percent any race or any orientation. It's always been diverse, and I've purposefully done that because it's like, yeah, I I could put on a, a show full of white guys. Anybody could. There's so many white guys out there. Yeah, well, I think there's a lot. Of, there are a lot of white guys, and there's probably like some 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 great uh, straight white guys right. that, that I all, haven't had on uh, Lampshade yet. And and but there's so many like to be honest, like 
the diversity in Columbus is fucking incredible, dude. Like there's so many different people with so many different perspectives and it, and it's, it's educational to laugh with them. You know what I mean? Cause they're able to like laugh about shit that we can't fucking understand from our perspective. They can show us a different look at this shit. You know, have you had a uh, uh, Joe good on your, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, he, uh, you know, he has a segment, a regular segment on the show. It's actually going to be, uh, actually, you know, now that you mention it, we probably should fucking play that. Let's play it. All right. This is Joel Good with Food for Thoughts. I'm here to crack an egg of knowledge on the frying pan of your mind. Cook it for about a couple minutes, medium, medium well. Lay them on top of the English muffin of everything you've known before. Top it with ham or some sort of thinly sliced meat and drizzle it with a hollandaise sauce of truth, creating the biscuit benedict of revelation. Because much like Benedict Arnold, it will betray everything you thought you knew. Like when you stead just realized God was dead, or Bruce Willis when he realized he was a ghost, it will change your life forever. Folks, if you're like me, you're a big fan of pudding. Chocolate, vanilla, rice, tapioca, if you're into that. If you had a snack pack at the lunch table, you were a god among men. You could trade it for just about anything. Not that you'd want to. Yes, pudding is a favorite treat the world over. But did you know that the name pudding itself is a goddamn sham? When that delicious concoction was originally created, it was simply referred to as dessert goo. A fitting name, if you ask me. It makes sense, after all. That's what it is. It's simple and to the point. So why the change? Well, you might imagine that when dessert goo was first created, it was a luxury served to nobles and royalty. And they didn't much like the idea of being served goo, as delicious as it was. So they decided to change the name, but to what? Well, legend has it that one night as a nobleman was just about to munch down on some delicious goo, a servant stated that he was putting some goo in the Lord's bowl. And that's when it hit him. The nobleman decided right then and there to change dessert goo, and it should be known as pudding. To avoid confusion, they would change the T's to D's. That's right, folks. Our favorite snack was bastardized by the bourgeois whims of the elite. I propose we take back the name Dessert Goo. It's no longer a treat for just the rich and powerful, no. Dessert Goo is for me. Dessert Goo is for you. a fucking modern prophet i mean dude i mean think about it dude pudding like pudding dessert goo like dessert goo sounds so much more like poignant than pudding yeah and you know like it's one of those things like with time like goo has come to become like associated with something not as good i bet back then all of the great things were probably called goo right it's just language changes over time i mean dude you put everything you made everything into goo <laughs> like you you didn't like you you think people had like cheeseburgers back then no they had meat goo and cheese goo and like everything was mixed in a bowl and they just put it in there and it was sometimes it was dinner goo sometimes it was breakfast goo yeah, sometimes I wonder, it like, was dessert goo. I guess at some point, like goo became more associated with the lower class, right? Yeah, which is well, you know I it's amazing it. when you hear like solid facts from somebody you trust, and it's like holy shit, I never realized. You know what I mean? Right. That, that's where the word gumbo comes from. It's like goo. 
Gumbo. Gum- oh yeah, it's, gumbo. Yeah, that's it's key me- gumbo. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where it comes from. It's just like a whole bunch of shit mixed together. Fucking facts, man. To make goo. <laughs> like, dude, goo. That's what it is. Like yogurt. Like, wh- where does that even come from? Like a, like pasteurized milk product. Jesus. I don't know. Like, it is. Uh, it is like some sort of uh, bacteria that we eat, I guess. But you know, I'm not a fucking scientist, to be honest with you. So. <laughs> There was something like you said earlier. You gave me like some some podcast ammunition earlier in the in the show, and I like forgot about it, and then I just remembered about it. You said you're you're a fucking musician. I was, yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, music. Did you turn in your card or what? Well, I, I did music from like thirteen to like twenty two, and uh, it, it you know it, it was very personal to me. And uh, I put a lot of songs out on YouTube, but like in the long run, most of them were terrible. But regardless, like through all that, I found comedy. When I rapped, I did a lot of punchlines anyway. I was like ludicrous, you know, not as good, but just like just as many punchlines. So when it came to like quitting music and, and, and doing comedy, it just kind of fit in like a glove. Yeah. Were you like more like uh like straight like rapper MC kind of deal or did you like make the beats and shit like that? Um I did both. Yeah? I did both. And I did a lot of like alternative shit. And uh What does that mean exactly? Like um like <laughs> like you know the group Postal Service? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, like I sampled their songs and like made rap <laughs> songs out of Postal Service songs. Okay. So it was very <laughs> weird. Um, and you know, I never stopped writing just, you know, even though I get it, I'm 31, I'm a white dude, I have kids, um, you know, rapping is corny, but you know, it it really does help me like get out some shit that I wouldn't be able to get out normally, just like comedy does. So you, you're still like writing, writing bars and shit right now? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, oh, I was I, mean, I was writing bars today. I had a beat that somebody like sent me today and wanted me to be on with them, and I was uh, you know, writing bars to that. Like I just I I never stop. I have no delusions of ever like you know being like paid to do it. Right. But it it's just something that that really makes me feel good when I do it. Yeah, I mean that's that's where like real music comes from i feel like right i mean not that like famous music isn't necessarily real but like music generally came from like individuals making it you know right. to express something to a small group of people like we're, that were near them right <laughs> dude I've, I've been at parties where like people were like johnny did what you used to rap you did music and i and like i would tell them i used to be a christian rapper like I used to do gospel. Rap. <laughs> no shit, dude. That's where I started. I started doing gospel rap, and I played a song. The last party I went to before the quarantine started, it was uh, Courtney's birthday. Shout out to Courtney, Courtney Taylor. Very funny. Yeah, comedian. she's been on the show. Yeah, she's great. Love her. Uh, we went to her party, and like at, at, at sometime really late into the party, we all were drunk. We're wasted. And I played a song I did when I was a Christian rapper called Jesus Is My Girlfriend. You shitting me. No, dude, I'm not. I made a song called Jesus Is My Girlfriend. 
<laughs> Dude. Okay, so here's the thing: is like I'm only laughing, Dude. really, because I used to be such a like hardcore Christian and shit. Yes. And that is like I can actually. Okay, yeah, I get where he's going with that. Yes, you can <laughs> because because you know because you know as a young man, like the the only thing you want is to get pussy, but. As a Christian young man, you know the only thing you can't get is pussy. Right. So so you can't you can't like, you know what I mean? You can't get the thing you think about all the time. So you get that Jesus pussy. Dude, so so my my thought process in making the song was like, listen, I can't have a girlfriend, so look, Jesus, you got to be everything to me, bro, because guess what? Uh like there's porn on the internet now. Like it's not hard to get. Anymore. Jesus, it's a different time. This is a different time now, Jesus. Things have changed. Like Jesus, step your game up, bro. Because you got to either be my girlfriend or I'm like looking at fucking like fucking you know oh Asa Akira online, bro. Like God damn it, Jesus. I'm so horny right now. I'm sorry, Mel. No, I mean I. I totally, I totally understand this. I was also a teenage Christian that struggled with uh, the shame of the fact that uh, I was horny. Hell yeah! And it was like totally like this weird like thing. And it was like every like men's retreat was like so, you know Christian like uh, men's retreat. Like everybody would have like this conversation about porn and lust and shit. Oh. It was just a constant thing that was like, and yeah, it, it's it's so fucking bizarre and it creates such a weird perversion out of what is a completely fucking normal human experience i mean dude i've i've talked to a friend of mine recently he he moved to new york and um and and he's been successful he works for apple like he's he's making a life in brooklyn like he's doing great and i was like bro when you were in high school with me you were a christian too but you never took sex off the table like, you always knew that if you wanted to get sex, you could get sex. And therefore, you didn't obsess about it. All, all you did was realize, like, oh, I could get it if I want, but also I want to learn other things. Like, unfortunately, like, I had sex off the table. So the only thing I wanted to learn was how to get sex. Like, I was obsessed with it as a teenager because I couldn't get it. Like, that's why I advocate teenagers having sex. Like, as long as it's consensual. <laughs> like, dude, like, get your bone on. Like, realize that, like, yeah, people wear are rubber. just... Bro, wear rubber. Bro, people are just people. Like, you don't have to have sex with your husband only. Like, you got to realize that there's tons of shit out there. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, to be honest, like, having, like, a good sex life is a is a big... is is I feel like is important in marriage. And, like, if you're not, like... If you're not on the same page with uh, what you're into sexually, then you're not going to have a good relationship sexually, right? And how are you supposed to know what you're into unless you've done it? Exactly. Like, you get with uh, uh, your wife, all of a sudden you guys saved yourself, and then your wife is into getting choked, and you're like, no. Like, I'm not yeah. into that I mean, shit. How do you know? Obviously, she wouldn't know she was into that yet. Like, that takes a little practice, too. Well, right, but she won't that's know. That's the other he thing about know. it. Yeah, that's the other thing, though. Like, that leads me to is, like, like people don't even explore their sexuality. Right. You know, it's like, it's just, like, 
how would you like they i'm sure like like some people go to different like like lengths or whatever to explore that as far as uh, christians go but like a lot of that is like you know you're not going to going to the sex store and buying toys like unless you sneak in like shamefully or some shit right. right because there's so much weirdness around it there's a reason why lion's den has no windows into the building period it's yeah. because this shit is is seen as being shameful i guess that's what i like about the garden so much uh is they have big ass windows with hell with, yeah uh, big breasted mannequins hell yeah shout out to the garden for being so fucking strong in this uh these protest times yeah being hell a yeah. hub hell yeah like dude i'm telling you right now like like their shit was being targeted I went into their uh, the garden on my way to protest one time, and I was with a friend, and I was like, I stopped in to say hi to Doug, and I was like, hey, is Doug here? I, I swear to God, three people were like, what do you want Doug for? Like, what what is your business with Doug? <laughs> and I was like, dude, I just, I, I'm his friend. I just wanted to say hi. And they were like, what's your last name and your social, last four of your social? Oh, my gosh. So they actually thought you were, like, some kind of fucking they uh, did. spy or some no, shit? No, they, they thought like, that I might be some sort of, like, Like, you undercover know, or something? Like, some somebody trying to, like, find out where Doug is to try to, like, take down this place. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it was, wow. like, security level, like, like redcon shit. Like, Jesus. I'm, yeah. So I, I appreciated that. And like you know, I, I I respected it, and I moved on. But like, and I thought this this beautiful stance that this business is taking, even though they couldn't get money from the federal government to stay afloat, yeah, they, they sacrificed their business and their time to make sure that people had a right to protest. Yeah, and you know what? I don't. Let's not gloss over that. That's that's really really fucked up Hell they yeah. can't get access to the uh loans that every other business can get access because to because of the nature of their business because they're an adult store right yeah um wh what yeah exactly what 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 the fuck is that like what in the fuck i am like that when she when lacy told me that because like you know because i do the the sex one four podcast right. and so i know i know lacy um shout out the sex one four podcast yeah 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 check that out that's lampshade media production hell yeah um yeah it's it's been on a little hiatus right now because of all the crazy shit that's going on but in any case um she hit me up and she's like telling me that she can't get the same loan that the small business that i work for gets and i'm like Oh, that can't be true. But no, literally just because there's, you know, stripper shoes and dildos in her store, she can't get a loan because I install fucking cabinetry. And that's the, the, the entire, you know, Christian influence on the whole thing. It's it's seen as some sort of like, you know, taboo thing. Um, but uh, you know, guess what? You know, we we all love that shit. Like why yeah. why create a taboo for it, and why why make them work for a small business loan when, if you're quarantined, the first thing you want is a good vibrator. Like yeah, if you're exactly. not gonna be able to get laid, like why wouldn't you want good masturbate masturbatory equipment? Exactly, yeah. And there's actually an episode of Six One Four specifically about masturbating, um, aimed mostly at women. That's what I'm so saying. So check that out. Yeah, why? Why? I mean, dude, like, if, if if we can't go out and fuck, my my whole like getting sex game was taken off the table uh, during the quarantine. The only place I met people was during comedy, 
And when comedy got taken off the table, I was like forced to 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 really go within. And I'm letting you know right now, like the first thing you need during this time is some help getting that relief off your mind. And shout out to the garden for being open during this quarantine and during this protest to let people get that stress off their brain. Cause you can't think yeah. when you're stopped up like that, dude. So like you could literally, uh, uh, at some point during the day, you can go to the garden, you can get yourself uh, some sort of sex toy or whatever you need, lube, that kind of shit. Um, and then you can go uh, take that home, go down to the protest, uh, and then they will, if you happen to get shot or fucking tear gassed, they also have medics there. Literally, like, they literally have medics and medical supplies and all the things, and they're passing out, like, different, like, ear earplugs and all this, uh, you know, say like uh, goggles they got swimming goggles they got a whole like bag they got bags full of uh these supplies and they're just handing them out to protesters on their way to the fucking protest so they can be safe yeah. and not blow their goddamn eardrums out and shit because people don't realize that the cops are using uh military weapons on them you know they think they're just going to like yeah. you know say I, I walked in like i said i walked in just to say hi to doug i left out with saline uh fucking three different types of masks i had earplugs i had yeah. you know what i mean hand sanitizer like they had a whole bag ready for you yeah and i was like doug i just came to say hi i was like no take this you need this like just in case yeah you know you like, and God i can damn it. i can promise you that uh lacy has absolutely fucking zero love for that other story you mentioned earlier that i'm not going to even say again yeah she has a hundred percent zero love for that store but i can tell you they were they they ran out of bags and uh and then that store uh gave them bags so they uh used them you know and they put they put their uh their fucking supplies well, i mean shit. you know you know you know like, it wasn't about you know what i mean it there's was a just common, like there's a common enemy sometimes <laughs> exactly a common yeah enemy. exactly and you have and you have to, to kind of join forces like i mean when i went to the protests there there was I would say, like, to be honest with you, like 70% white people, like 70%. And I, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, you know, is there an issue with this? But at the same time, like, you know, like, I'm glad that pe white people are coming out to support these issues. Yeah. Um. You know, they, they, they were screaming Black Lives Matter, I Can't Breathe, George Floyd, you yeah. know, Breonna Taylor, like... I mean, th these were, you know, sincere moments for white people. I mean, white people really came together and were like, listen, like, we don't agree with them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, we're with you guys. Like, we're sorry. Like, and the only problem came when there was, like, too many, like, white people, like, on the megaphone. Uh, there yeah, should be... I mean, and during a protest of Black Lives Matter, there should be probably approximately, like, zero white people on the megaphone yeah like you right. know there was one guy that came up and and literally just said like hey, go, i'm a michigan fan just want to tell you guys i'm a michigan fan go blue all right guys see you later and got off the microphone and i was just like yeah that's really weird you shouldn't do that like i mean yeah it's actually like entirely fucking inappropriate it's ridiculous right it's, it's yeah it's offensive some guy brought me aside he was video recording he was like uh hey i'm doing a documentary about this protest like can i get some words and i'm like dude you're looking at me like why are you bringing me out of this entire audience to get words like my 
my speech is the last speech you need. Like, let me just stand here with my mask on, with my fist up, and scream and and just stand there with them. Like, you don't need my opinion on it. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. No, you're you're right, man. You're 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 being there to support. You're 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 a supportive part of this, right? You're not right. like there to like make it about you. Right. I'm not there to be heard. I'm there to hear. Right. To listen. Yeah. And, and just accept yeah, it. Dude. Period. A hundred percent. Like that's, that's, yeah, that's a, that's, that's what, I mean, I mean, I don't know, like white people are, are fucking weird. I'm, I'm one of them. I understand like that it's uncomfortable to, you know, (laughs) have so much privilege and still really not like done much with it. You know? Right. Right. I I always felt weird because I, I missed out on that stereotypical white like life where it was like suburban where your parents are together and like you have vehicles and a house and like you know what i mean like i missed out on that white experience like i i I grew up in a broken home with no money and like surrounded by black people so it's like you know i i missed out on that experience so i could never relate to that um so it, it it's very like interesting seeing like the people who got that stereotypical experience grew up in the suburbs, yeah. both parents still feeling like this is an issue. Yeah, this is an issue, and uh, I, I'm grateful for it. My my parents are kind of uh, my my dad is like a Blue Lives Matter guy because he got he's got like friends in the law enforcement. Like your, arena, like, like your, your dad that passed, or no, my stepdad. Oh, your stepdad. Okay. The guy who's married to my mom, right? Yeah, now. yeah, he's yeah. A great guy. Sure, he's a fucking nicest guy. But he's, he, but he, he's into Blue Lives Matter. But, but he's been white his entire life. Never he, changed, huh? Never changed. He had the choice. He went the other way. Um. So he, he has no idea. My mom, she grew up in New Albany. Like my, my mom's parents are racist as shit, dude. Like, like I remember one time I was at Thanksgiving and I said, oh, my, my son looks like, I was talking to my grandma. I was like, my son looks like your husband. And she was like, don't tell him that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Exactly. So like, Yikes. right. So trying to teach my mom and my stepdad about white privilege and things like this is, is a little difficult and God bless them. They try hard, but thinking about how hard it was for me to understand it, thinking about how hard it is for them growing up in New Albany with nothing but white people and farms and cows. Like, you yeah. know, it must be a fucking trip to think about it. Yeah. You know? For sure. My grandma didn't see a fucking black person until she was 38 yeah. years old. Could you imagine that? No, I don't even, I, I actually still don't. I mean, you said that earlier, and I and I've never actually come to terms with it because it sounds like a lie. It, it's not. I, I went to my heritage in Kentucky. They lived in the hill. You know, the hillbilly term is actually a legit term. Like literally, people lived in the hills. Yeah, and they and they, they were all named Billy. Even though I mean, most. That's of them. why sometimes you meet a girl named Billy. Right. Exactly. Like, because in hillbillies, Billy Eilish. She was come. She comes from that cloth. Exactly. Exactly. But but like it's a part they, of Appalachian culture, they lived in the hills, bro. Like if, I, I'm telling you right now, I went to go visit my my great uncle one time. If I had gotten injured in any way and needed medical assistance, 
If I couldn't just take care of it myself, I'm dead. <laughs> like dead, dead. Yeah. Like it would take them like like at least 45 minutes to navigate the hills to get to the spot where my oh, uncle yeah. was. That's just crazy. So so if there's no black people around, like you're not seeing black people, yeah, period. Yeah. And I mean, I, yeah, I can't imagine like a black person like finding that place and saying, yeah, this is the joint right <laughs> this here. This is the joint right here, bro. Uh, these people seem cool as fuck. There's like no nobody to protect me. Cool. I'll just be right here. Like I'm going to chill. Whatever, guys. Cool. No, that's going to be a bubble for sure. My, my, my great uncle who I stayed with when I was in those uh, hollers is what they called uh what talk yeah, i watched justified you know you know what i'm talking about like he uh he talked about these guys who grow weed at the top of the hill and he's like listen like they grow weed at the top of this hill and if the cops ever came it would take them 30 minutes to navigate the hill by that time they would have everything concealed by then and it was like he, he my this is my great uncle who's like 78 was like no nah, it's a legit business They'll fucking wrap it up. Fuck the cops. Fuck twelve. Like my great <laughs> uncle, he was like, "Fuck them." I can't imagine people in the in the hills saying "fuck 12, but well, I they can didn't imagine say fuck twelve. But they would like, express the same exact sentiment. They don't like police down there. Yeah, they didn't do it. They don't like the government. I've also learned this from Justified. Right, exactly. They don't like the government. They don't like any of that. Unfortunately, like that racism shit is just, uh, you know, genetic. Yeah. Unfortunately, and 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 like. I would like to say it's taught, um, but it's kind of enforced rather than taught. Yeah. It's in people genetically, but you could unlearn it. You could be yeah. better. But if it's enforced, I mean, it's just natural. 100%. You, you look well, at somebody that's different than you, you automatically think they're different. Yeah, yeah. Period. Well, like, yeah, I think that, like, ra the reason racism is so inherent is that we uh, are born typically to, you know, uh, two of the people that look like us or whatever, right? Right, right. And we're like, okay, so these are the these are the good people. Right, exactly. Right, so there's some sort of, and this is just me. It's a legion. This is just my stoner fucking concept. I don't, I don't know psychology and what fucking happens in minds, but, um, but yeah, it's just like these, you know, and then you have this, like when we were, you know, uh, fucking cavemen or whatever, and then evolving and shit, like we have these small communities and whatnot. And like, it's just like, okay, so all the people in this group look like this and all the people in the other group look like that. Right. And, you know, like we're, you know, we're tight. So we're, you know, we're, we're going to help each other. I mean, it makes sense. It's like this evolutionary thing, it seems like, right? Right. And, and we've outgrown it. It's completely fucking not good right like it's like we have completely outgrown that that is like really you know that's not helpful not helping humanity at all but it's still in our fucking heads and we have to recognize it in in order to fucking deal with it right right have you been working on material for uh <laughs> for the post-covid scene specifically i'm working on material listen a lot of my material was kind of you know on the edge already after yeah. this whole situation that's going on, I'm I'm really abandoning, abandoning uh, a lot of my material, and uh, you know I'm I'm trying to gain a new perspective, huh. and and everything that I'm going through is giving me a new perspective, and I'm really writing material that's more relevant and honest to me right now. Um, what but, was the impetus for that? Uh, like okay, so I have a a white power bit. Um, that is 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 supposed to be silly, 
you know, it's supposed to be, you know, me, you know, being married to a, a black woman, you know, it's like, you know, any man being married to a woman, your wife won't let you touch any of her shit. You know what I mean? But because my wife is black, that means everything in my house is blacks only. This is a very, like, distasteful bit at this point, and we can realize this now, but this is what I led with because I've been in this for a long time. So my my whole punchline was, is like, can I get a little white power? Like, just enough white power for a spot on the sink. Just like, you know, a spot where I can keep my deodorant without any bobby pins or cocoa butter. That was the joke. Yeah. This is a real-life thing that happened to me. And and most people don't understand it, and they think I'm just trying to be, you know, provocative. But this is a legit a situation that happened to me when I was married <laughs> to a black woman. Like, I literally asked her for white power once, and we both died laughing, and that's where the bit came from. Yeah. However, now, you know, it, it, it's not as funny as it once was to me. Yeah. Because, you know... It, it's serious now yeah i mean not that i wasn't serious before but i, I mean it's for me well, personally it's undeniable at this point with the death of uh, george floyd obviously course, like now like that joke is already charged right exactly and uh it means uh something different well i guess like that's the thing about those types of jokes is like you and your well you know you were married at the time right obviously but like you know, you, you were able to laugh at that because she understood your context. Right. So she understood the the joke in the way that you actually intended it. Right. And because she, she knew that you thought that uh, white power is fucking ridiculous. Right. Exactly. And and that was just assumed. And then you moved from there to, uh, the you know, bit. yeah, exactly. that, that punchline or whatever. And that was already understood. But like, yeah, there, oh man, there's so many fucking people saying literally racist shit that. Right. It's hard to, to tell. Right. The, 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 right? the pool, like, the pool is muddy, dude. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to contribute to that anymore. Like, I want to make jokes that like, are make me feel better about myself rather than like, you know. Listen, I'll bring those jokes out at some point in time. They're they're part of me. They they help me get to where I am. But at the same, and and they're honest stories. But at the same time, like, there's a time and a place for everything. Like I said, comedy is not just about me. It's about the relationship between me and the audience. I mean, you know, my audience is, does not want to hear about white power right now. Yeah, right. No audience wants to hear about white power. Yeah. You know, no matter how ridiculous I think it is, just even saying the word, right? you know, is, is just so, like, visceral. Right, it has a it has a huge impact. Exactly, like it's not the time or the place. So yeah, to answer the the question, yeah, I've been writing a lot of material, and a lot of it has not been like what I've done before. I'm assuming you're gonna like you're carrying your 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 attitude and your ethos and everything. Like, what's been like moving you? Where's that been coming from? Uh, I mean, just my kids. Uh, I mean, just. Honestly, like I've gotten so much material from my kids, I almost feel like I owe them something. Um, <laughs> but then I realized like they would have nothing if it was not for me, and I don't feel as bad anymore. <laughs> like I've, 
<laughs> like I feel like they owe everything to me, and every good thing they have in their life is because I decided to come in their mom, and oh my God. and that was it. Period. <laughs> And, like, guess what? We didn't have the money to get an abortion at the time. Guess what? I'm pro-abortion. I love abortion. (laughs) Like, let's do that. I didn't have the money for it at the time. Guess what? Now I have three kids. Let's make that shit cheaper. Um, (laughs) But guess what? Like, they owe everything to me. I, I... I, I raised them. You can mine them for as much comedy as you fucking want. Dude, if they if they do something funny and it's something I can use, guess what? It's mine now. <laughs> guess what? My kids because are hilarious. Because that goes back to them in the in the in the form of food and clothing. Uh, you know, if if I feel, yeah, if I feel like it. But anyway, <laughs> I no, I I get so much material off them because they're absolutely ridiculous and that's because they're the version of me. That is unsullied by, you know, like community standards and like, you know, empathy. Like they will just say whatever comes to their mind. (laughs) And it is wonderful. And like I literally have to stop myself from cracking up laughing at some of the fucked up shit that they will say. God damn, bro! I had to stop taking showers with my kids because you know when you're they're they're babies, you take shower baths, showers. Yeah, yeah, with them. For sure, sure. And and like I knew it was time for me to stop when my kids were able to roast me, and like <laughs> I was in the shower and like, Daddy, why do you have titties right now? <laughs> and and I felt so upset. I was like. Like, dude, like, I will beat you up. Like, do you understand? Like, I'm your dad. I have authority to, like, beat the fuck out of you right now. Like, chill. (laughs) But it was funny at the same time. I had to respect it. But, like, at that point in time, I was like, you know what? Showers by yourselves now. Like, I don't care. (laughs) Like, they're, like, four years old, and they already know how to roast their dad. And, and like, that's when I knew it was easy to roast me. So when everybody in the scene roasts me, and you're like, oh, it's easy to roast Johnny. Yeah, I know. My kids feel the same way. <laughs> Jesus, there's no escaping it. <laughs> the, the, see, I didn't, I, I didn't know like everybody loved to roast you. I just only know that you like threw that fucking cornrow pick up, and everybody was tearing that. Dude. But you asked them too, though. You Dude. said roast me, so okay. you the, you did ask for it. What what I said was just like everybody's having a hard time right now. Here's a picture of me and cornrows. Have at it. And basically, okay, like, so you didn't say roast me, but you did well, I, I, have I, at it. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, whatever words I used, I basically meant roast me. Even if I didn't say roast me, who knows what I said? I can't remember. But basically, what I meant was roast me. Yeah. And like, you know, I've I've never gotten so much support on any posts <laughs> I've ever put up. I've I've promoted so many shows, and I've gotten so much less likes than or comments than this. Dude, it was like 200 comments. I forget. I forget how much it was. It was like so many comments. I posted pictures of my newborn baby. And like, like, hey, here's this new life in the world. And nobody gave a shit. <laughs> but I posted a picture of me and cornrows. And everybody's like, everybody has a comment. And a, and a fucking reaction. I swear to God, dude. <laughs> You know, actually, I I had a kind of a similar experience. I mean, I was never ridiculous enough to take a a picture of myself in cornrows. So, but I'm not trying to. Did you ever have cornrows though? Um, I think. uh, uh, Well, no, I mean, not like I didn't wear them. Somebody gave them to me as like some sort. Like I was like at a party or something. Oh, okay. And they were like, "Oh, yeah, 
yeah, I will let this girl play with my hair. It wasn't for like an in hour, depth, you know? like tight, like let me get a design in your head, like oh no, Corbett. no, it was nothing like that anyone was proud of. It was just fucking around, you know. That so I, I mean, didn't, I didn't like. Yeah, it was my like shit for a was night. serious. Dude, I remember one no, it time. Looks, it, no, it looks serious as fuck, dude, which made it even funnier. Dude, I took that shit seriously. One time, I I I stood, I sat in the chair for six hours, six hours straight as this girl cornrowed my hair, and I paid her twenty five dollars to do so. And That's it was a very good hours. hourly rate. Yeah, uh, I mean, for me it was. For her, it wasn't. Like six right. hours, and you make twenty five dollars. No, it's it's. I mean, like yeah, she was making like what, like good like deal, four dollars an hour. Like I don't, I don't even know what that shit is. <laughs> I can't do math right now. <laughs> well, we've been we we have been drinking yeah, like a great true. deal among among other things. All I'm saying is, man, my kids are funny. They they fucking roast me, and that's why they're assholes, and that's why they get whatever they deserve. Listen, so we're, so we're about to get a new family oriented Johnny Collins. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's not Family, go too far. Let's my, not go too far. Uh, listen, listen, <laughs> listen. I'm always oriented around my family. And but, you know, but at the same time, like, man, life has kicked me in the nuts enough to know that, like, the one thing my kids need for me right now is like a successful dad. So that's what I'm working on, because that's the one thing I didn't get from my dad is a dad who was worth a shit. Yeah, so I hear that, man. You know, so that, that and 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 my friend Chris Curry said to me one time, "It's like your only goal as a dad is to be better than your dad." Yeah, and then yeah, and then the and but my dad set the bar so low, so that that literally, as long as I'm not like selling their playstations for crack, I'm I'm pretty much in the green zone. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm awesome. <laughs> Like, and my baby's mom likes to give me shit like, oh, my God, I, you know, I'm saying like, I wish I had more support. Like, I wish you lived in the same city as us. And I'm like, I agree. But also at the same time, like, you know what I mean? This I'm all I'm in the bonus round right now. Yeah. Like, I'm literally supersonic right now compared to my dad. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like, we got to let this journey go as it is. Yeah. Well, we got this 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 new like, uh, you know, this family oriented uh, new version of Johnny Collins that has now created the name Lampshade Media presents the Quick Dick Liquid podcast. And uh, that all. Yeah, that all clocks. (laughs) Hell yeah. Quick Dick Liquid. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, I feel like I've always wanted to have, like, a somewhat offensive podcast. I've always wanted it to be, like, we can, like, you know, talk about whatever the fuck we want and say whatever the fuck we want. So I feel like that's sending that vibe really, like, up front, you know? Right. So at least it's not, like, passive aggressive. It's like, of course, we will have to, like, bleep it, which we had a problem with with uh, previous podcasts as well. Um, This is not the first time we've had a cuss word in the title, but I feel like this is the title with a cuss word that's going to really stick. You know what I mean? Because it's got a little bit of a ring to it. It's got Well, obviously, you're a rapper, so you you know how to... Dick Liquid... Like, I mean, dude, Yeah. if that's not like a lotion by the 2022, I'm going to be very upset. Oh, you know what? A lotion, uh, as Joel would say. Yeah, as Joel, yeah, Joel Good would say lotion. <laughs> but no, like, we should probably team up with the garden here. And uh, <laughs> they, they are a sponsor of uh, Lampshade Media Presents. Let's do it. And uh, yeah, and we do, I do produce uh, their, uh, their store's podcast, Sex One Four. So I'm going to get together with Lacey. 
Uh, maybe we'll get uh, Wonder Doug, who's just a celebrity employee there. Hell yeah. Shout out to Wonder Doug. Happy, happy belated <laughs> birthday, Wonder Doug. Sorry, Wonder Doug, if you're listening, I, I didn't mean just a celebrity employee. I mean, you're a badass and you're like doing yeah. a lot there. Like, uh, but like you, you are basically like a fucking celebrity yeah. employee. Like everybody's like the comedian that also is the fucking like front for <laughs> for the garden like Hell yeah. speaking the fucking love over there Hell yeah. anyway i'm gonna stop blabbering uh drunkenly but yeah i'm gonna talk lazy i'm gonna we're gonna create some sort of uh fucking branded quick dick liquid <laughs> okay and this is gonna be uh a lampshade <laughs> media fucking uh uh some swag you know because, well, hey, like, you were there. You were at the Lampshade Media Show. We throw out fucking uh, lube and condoms Yes. at the beginning of every Lampshade Media Hell comedy yeah. show. And a lot of the comedians are like, what the fuck is even happening right now? Is this actually real? Am I actually at a comedy show that starts with, it? why? Why is this happening? Like, what exactly? And, and I get it. It, it, yeah, it's it's a little ridiculous, but like, yeah, I, I fucking love the garden. I think everybody needs more lube in their life, so we do and it. And quick dick liquid. I mean, I mean, dude, like, I mean, when you want that dick quick, yeah, you need that liquid. You need that liquid. The quick dick liquid quick podcast. Dick liquid. <laughs> <laughs> and also, now now in <laughs> flavored uh, quick dick liquid. <laughs> uh, we're not announcing that quick, yet. Quick um, dick. Flip. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm sorry, but that that will be bleeped. We're not oh, announcing no, that sorry. product yet. Oh yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, yeah, no, it's okay. But we'll we'll just bleep it. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we got a fucking name. We've got to uh, we got to uh, learn about pudding, and uh, we talked about a really a, a lot of really fucking important shit. I actually oh, yeah. think mm-hmm. this is the first like really like fucking. Uh, like great like conversation i think i've had with you because we usually just like are like what's up at the fucking uh yeah right at the patio or a shot old crow whatever. yeah i fucking love i i fucking love talking to you yeah it was uh, great yeah, i had a great time but for real yeah man well thank you so much and thank you for uh the last name uh that we'll ever have <laughs> I love I it. I appreciate it, man. <laughs> I'm gonna get that cross branding going, and this shit's gonna happen, dude. I, I, yeah, I'm fucking in love with it. Uh, can I give a uh, a few shout outs before we get out of here? Well, yeah. Um, okay. I want to shout out my uh, Instagram, um, uh, the brave idiot. I'm the brave idiot on Instagram and uh, Snapchat. Uh, please follow me. Um, I don't have a lot of followers, and I'm desperate. Um. Also, I'd like to shout out some of the uh, comedians that are doing great things uh, during the protest. Jordan Fulton, um, who's who's made, you know, saline solutions for people who are maced. Um, you know, uh, I'd like to, you know, shout out Katana, who's done a lot of great things and, and recorded a lot of live videos to help a lot of people. Wonder Doug, um, you know, even though the protest may die down, we, we can't really give up on on the cause you know popularity or not like uh, it's still an issue so let's keep it going guys you know let's 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 keep encouraging each other you know um i, I love everybody shout out to mel lampshade media podcast and that's it well thanks for the shout out man i've been i feel like i might have been shouting myself on this particular one but <laughs> 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 but no no man i appreciate it dude and that's uh that's fucking tight dude yeah. Good talk, man. 
And uh, yeah, check this motherfucker out. Go see him when well when shit opens up. He'll have a whole new fucking Hell set. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, man. Later. This program is produced by Lampshade Media. Hosted by Mel Milliman. Music by Tyson Shipman. Graphic design by Griffin Browning. Social media by Sam Welch. Voiceover by Ryan Branch. And a special thank you to our sponsors, Paddy Wagon Food, Platform Brewing Company, and The Garden.